Welcome back, everybody. This is the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. Um, I'm in awe in a way. We are here, and now we are at episode number seven of the Level Ground Podcast, and we've managed to get through a few different topics and a few different things, and, and the outreach that we've had is amazing. And we're just glad to be back with you. Thank you for tuning back in. And if you've never listened to us before, I'm just going to tell you real quickly what this podcast is about and try to explain to you in the best terms and the best way we can. The Bible says in one place to speak the truth in love. And that's our goal for this podcast is to really try our best just to speak the truth, just to speak the absolute truth of the gospel and the truth of the word of God in love so that lost men, women, boys, and girls can be saved and so that it might edify the church just a little bit. And we've went in into, you know, and and those of you that's been with us have, have seen it. And if you haven't been with us and haven't listened up to this point, we encourage you to go back to episode number one and start there. But um, we've covered, you know, sin and salvation and, and the different aspects of it a little bit. And even last week we covered the Bible and we felt that that was very imperative and very important that we cover that because... You know, it's one of the most important things that a Christian can have, the the most important tool that a Christian can use. And we wanted to give you just a little bit of information about it. Um, and, and no doubt later, we're probably going to dive in a little bit deeper. Um, but enough of the just talking and rambling, we're going to kind of get into it. And And seems like in the 21st century, in the year 2023, all we have heard about since the pandemic has been real estate, real estate, real estate. Whether it's houses, office buildings, shops, whatever it may be, it seems almost as if anything that is done in our society today, it it, it involves needing a building. So anything that needs to be done, you've got to have some kind of building to do it. And and it doesn't matter what it is, and, and rightfully so. We need a place to sleep and stay warm and dry and, and an office to conduct, conduct our business affairs and and shops to work on our projects, and all of these things are a quote-unquote need. But what if all of that was stripped away? What if every bit of it was gone? What if that beautiful home you worked so hard for and worked so hard to build and worked so hard to make what it is now was swept away? If it was stripped from you, what if it was destroyed? That office building you had, burnt to the ground, that shop that you used to to sell goods or whatever it may be was destroyed by a hurricane for some reason, would life still go on? Would you be able to continue? Would I be able to continue? Would we in society be able to continue, continue? Some would, but others would sit where they are and wonder if there's any point in going. Any point in going on? They'd sit there and they'd say, well, this is stripped away from me. I'm going to give up and I'm going to quit. Because the building that they trusted in was destroyed. The building that they put maybe all of their eggs in one basket. Maybe all of uh, all, all of their livelihood come from that one building. If it was taken away, not only would their uh, monetary state and their livelihood be stripped away, but so would their emotional state. So would everything that could be changed, their mental state and, and everything would be stripped away and would be taken away from them. 
I want to look real quick at, at a few different things. And the first thing I want to look at is cathedrals. And you look at these cathedrals and they're, they're, they were built as a spiritual escape, so to speak, from the world and, and to house artifacts that was important to Catholicism. And they were beautiful buildings with beautiful architecture. And, and if you look at a cathedral, the detail was down to the very smallest piece. And a lot of people call it this, and it's commonly seen as heaven on earth. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, a cathedral is just a building. Time after time, the, the cathedrals have been ravaged by fire and war and natural disaster, and some were renovated, but there were others that were completely destroyed, stripped away from the people that felt like it was heaven on earth. There are entire communities that that they hold a cathedral at the highest standard that they can, and, and they view that as a perfect place, but it's still just a building. Look at Solomon's temple. So, the plans were originally given to David for Solomon's temple, and because of sin, he wasn't allowed to see the building of the temple through. But his son Solomon took the plans and built the temple to house the ark. Built using the finest materials and with a heart for the Lord, the temple was built. And blessed by God. This building made with with human hands out of earthly materials was still blessed by God. But at the end of the day, it was just a carnal building a literal building, four walls, nothing else. Maybe with fine architecture in it, maybe with all these fine materials used in it. But later, this temple was destroyed by the Babylonians about roughly 400 years after it was completed. This building was held to such a high esteem. And and you look at cathedrals, look at Solomon's Temple, and we'll even throw our, our local church in the mix. And all of these beautiful churches with these beautiful uh, stained glass windows and the steeple on top and the brick on the outside and the pretty yard, every bit of this can be destroyed. And it, it could be very well swept away. And yes, they were all, all of these buildings had a purpose and have a purpose. And they were built for a reason of worship. But they were still made with earthly things and by man's hands. You can't escape that fact. You can't escape the fact that anything that is built here is built with carnal hands, earthly hands, and hands of a man. And a man cannot build anything perfect. A man can try, but only God can build things that are perfect. And here, even today, the same thing could happen to any one of our church buildings could be gone in an instant, could catch on fire tonight and burn down by tomorrow. And then I'm sure that you would have the the same mindset, or maybe we would think this, this is at least the mindset that I would have, would be how can we still worship without a place to do it, without a consecrated holy building that, that we've set aside for that use? Why, why, why Where could we worship? What could we do? 
let's go ahead and get into the meat of this. And, and this is where we wanted to get this week. If you look in Acts chapter 2, about the 36th verse, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, assur- uh, know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, and, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The apostles didn't have a fancy building. They, and, and if you want to write this down, you want to go back and read it and to make sure that I read it right, you can look at Acts chapter 2. And we read verses 36 through 47. And and I want you to look and, and to notice in this that they didn't have any fancy building. They didn't have anything to, to call their own. They were simply in one mind and one accord and unity together. And the Spirit of God came to them. And this is what happened. The Spirit of God came and sat upon the men in the upper room there on the day of Pentecost. Peter began to preach to the Jew that was in that area to, to let them know, hey, you, you've rejected the Messiah, and this is what we have now, and this is what we're going to have to do. And 3,000 souls were saved because of that. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The church is not a fancy building. The church is not padded pews, ornate pulpits, and big, huge altars. Every one of those things can be destroyed. The church is believers coming together in unity to worship God and lead the lost to Christ. If your church has any other um, thing about them, any other thing that, that is going on there that does not point back to worshiping God and leading the lost to Christ, it's not a church. It's all, 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 if it doesn't have the Spirit of God in it, and you're not worshiping the Lord in, in spirit and in truth, and you're not truly trying to reach, reach those that don't know Jesus, it is not a church. Now, it's not about what denomination you are or what religious sect you come from. It's just about yoking up with other believers. I don't care if you're Catholic, Methodist, Holiness, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever it is, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a member of the church. It's not about what church building you go to every Sunday, where you pastor, where you teach. It's solely about the church. 
it's not this building here is different and separate from this building. It's not this building over here is separate from this building. But we are the body of Christ and should be yoked up together like we are. The body of Christ. For as many as have member or for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. And that's Romans twelve, four and five. And then you can look on down to, to Ephesians chapter four and verses eleven through sixteen, and it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of, sin, of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more called children, or that we, I'm sorry, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth, and here we go, this is what we mentioned to you earlier, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. I want us to look at this, and, and I've heard it said, and, and you can see it sometimes, that certain churches want to stay within their certain bounds. There's, there might be two or three churches over here want to yoke up together, and they want to be friends, but they don't want to have nothing to do with this group over here. You might have a group of Baptists that don't want to have nothing to do with a group of holiness or a group of Methodists. But if we're saved by the grace of God, we're part of the church. We're part of the body. In the year 2023, you can look at what's going on and what just happened at the Grammys where, where there was this big display of, of Satanism and all these things that were going on and it was troubling to my soul. And that ought to be a telltale sign that now more so than ever, we ought to yoke up one with another as the body of Christ and work together. If you look in these passages we've read you, there, there's some similarities in every one of them. It talks about coming together and to be in unity. The body of Christ ought to be joined together. Ought to be taken and put together and fitly joined together, the Bible said. And it said, and compacted. Each part, I'm looking now at my hands and my hands, or my fingers even. My fingers connect to my hands and my hands connect to my arms and my arms uh, on up to my bicep and my bicep to my shoulder and my shoulder across to my chest into my ribs and they all connect and they... The whole body connects together, and, and the body has so many parts. You might be a finger. You might be a, uh, a, you might be a muscle. You might be a, a leg. You might be veins that supply the, bo- or supply the body with blood. You might be the lungs that allow the body to have oxygen, but each part of my body has a specific task that it does. And if that body part fails to perform that task, my body is not 100%. There's a possibility if my body doesn't do that task that I can get very sick, that I can get hurt. 
and the body is not what it once was. The Bible said that we ought to be fitly joined together. Now we understand and we know that Christ is the head from the Scripture. He's the one that's responsible for sending the commands to the body. He, he'll send the command to, to the lungs and tell them to breathe. He'll send the command to the eyes and tell them to look. He'll send a command to the mouth and tell them to speak. But at the end of the day, if the body is not fitly joined together, there's a possibility that the entire body will not be able to work. The Bible talks about an effectual working. A work that makes a difference. That makes an increase to the body and to the edifying of itself in love. If I was to sit here and I was to take and I was to somehow sever a nerve that ran from my finger to my brain, what would happen? My finger wouldn't work. If I was to take and to sever a nerve and say something happened to my arm and that's where the nerve was and it severed to my finger, my finger wouldn't work. The finger's a different part, my arm's a different part, and the nerve that runs between those two are a different part. And if they're not all joined together, something can happen and something very bad can happen. And they're not connected to the head and they have no use and have no purpose anymore. What I'm saying is, is is in this day and time, and this is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, in this very day and time, with all the things going on in the world, we need to be the church. Not this church here, not this church there, not not this building over here, not this building over there, but we as born again children of God ought to be yoked up together and joined together as the body of Christ, performing an effectual work, a work that makes a difference in this society, in this world, and ultimately working for the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping God, and leading lost men, women, boys and girls to Christ. And if we sit here and we allow little differences to come amongst us, little things that have troubled generation upon generation of people, if we allow those things to, to divide us and to split us up, all that's doing is causing the body not to have an effectual work. If my pinky, and I don't like my pinky, say I was to take and cut my pinky off, I'm not going to grow another one. My body is never going to grow another limb and another appendage. Once that is gone, it is cut off from my body. Now, there are certain things that, that take place and certain things that happen as you grow. You're born as a child, and as you grow, you grow and become more mature. And no doubt, that's what the, the body of Christ and the church has done. When That day, when Peter preached to those men and women, those Jews, and, and preached to them that they needed to get saved and they needed to be saved, and, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, it was in its infant stages. But as time went on, it began to grow, and it began to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now every part is needed. If a part is cut off, you cannot grow it back. You cannot claim it back. What I'm trying to say to you again is, or, or maybe what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to get across is, let's make a personal effort in ourselves if we're saved by the grace of God to really try our best to yoke up one with another, to stand up for what is right, to be 
the good in this society. I seen a, a, a video of a very, very famous man. He began to talk, and he's a professed atheist. And, and this is not going to be a direct quote from him, but this is going to be pretty much what he said. He said he had no use for a Christian that wouldn't witness. He had no use for a Christian that wouldn't evangelize. And he went on to say the reason why is if there was really so, if he really believed that there was such a thing as heaven or hell, he would go tell everybody because he wouldn't want nobody to go to hell and he'd want everybody to go to heaven. And even from an atheist, that's one of the more powerful things I've ever heard from somebody not in a spiritual sense. He said that he had no use for a Christian that wasn't willing to evangelize, a Christian that wasn't willing to spread the gospel, a Christian that wasn't willing to come together for the common good of the world so that they might know Jesus Christ. An atheist himself said he had no use for a Christian that wouldn't do that. Now it's time more than ever that we come together as the church and realize that this is not about what building we're in. This is not about the building that we go to every Sunday. This is not about the place that... uh, Maybe we decide to hang our hat on a Sunday morning, but this is so much more. We talked about, I believe, and it, it was in the episode about salvation, how that you were grafted in, you were put into the family of God. The Bible said, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we're all family, one with another. And I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it amongst yourselves. Now, yes, we ought to follow the Bible and we ought to stick with what the Bible says we ought to do. But are some of these things that maybe come between us, some of these things that come up in life, some of these things that come up maybe from church to church, from person to person, are they really worth it? Are they worth arguing over? Yes, we're all family, and families will have squabbles, and family families will have quarrels, but at the end of the day, a family ought to be able to apologize whether they were right or wrong, to make, a, make things right, and to continue on together in love, to edify itself. And I want you to ask you this question, is the arguing that you may do, or the feelings that you may have toward another one, another church or another body or another person in the body of Christ, are those feelings really helping things? Is your attitude toward certain people helping things? Because what this world is going to do, it's going to look at us and it's going to see how we act one with another. And if we're squabbling, if we're fighting, if we're not acting like we're a body, if we want to stick to ourselves, my my hand even though it is a separate part, it cannot fully isolate itself from everything else because every joint supplieth, the Bible said. If it wasn't for my arms, there would be no way for the veins to carry onto my hands and my hands to receive the blood flow. And if the world sees us trying to isolate ourselves from other churches, isolate ourselves from other people, and not be willing to come together for the common good and to come together to spread the gospel message, they're not going to want to have any part in that. And I want everybody that can and everybody that's willing and everybody that's ever existed, everybody I run across, I want them to go with me to heaven. I don't want anybody to miss out on salvation. And it's going to take us coming together. It's going to take us being what God's called us to be. 
And the only way you can become a part of this building, or, or, or I say building, the only way you can become a part of this church is to be born again. If you're listening, you don't know what all this is about. You have to be born again. Uh, uh, the Lord told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. You've got to be saved. Now, the word church, and we, we might have jumped the gun just a little bit and got excited, but the word church means called out assembly. And yes, there can be many other churches, uh, uh, so to speak, if you look at the, the definition of the word. But in this circumstance, we were called out, we were pulled out and assembled together. Pulled out from the world and out from under the bondage and the chains of sin and we were set aside and we were sanctified and we were set apart for a greater goal and a greater purpose and a greater cause. We're a called out assembly. And I want to say this. I, I, I want to just maybe be as honest with you as I can. And I don't say this to be prideful and I don't say this to really uh, um, maybe make myself look any better because honestly I can sit here and I can tell you and I don't know who's listening to this and who may but I can sit here and I can tell you that you go find the least of the least of a Christian and then put me below him and that's the spot that I fall I sin and come short every day and I've, I've done things many many times that that I ought not have done and there's been more times than not that I haven't done what I needed to do for the church and for the Lord. But the Lord's afforded me an opportunity in it and has given me a calling to go out and to preach the gospel. And doing that and trying my best to follow God and go where He leads and go where He sends, I find myself at a lot, at a lot of different churches. I find myself going in and out of places all over uh, across North Georgia. I've been to Mississippi. I've been to... Uh, North Carolina, I've been to uh, other places and, and I've seen many, many churches and many, many people. And, I, and, I've, and in my mind, I, I sit there and I take mental notes of certain things that happen. And I have seen churches that isolate themselves, don't want to have nothing else to do with anybody. I've seen churches that have no desire anymore. I've seen churches that have sit there and they've whittled down to where they have very few left in the building. And I'm not it's not about numbers. In the four walls that you call your church, it doesn't matter if you have 50, if you have 500 or if you have 5, but what matters is that you've got to drive to reach lost men, women, boys and girls. Yes, there'll be some that come looking there will be some that might be interested and want to come, but the, even more so than that, you're going to have to go get them. You're going to have to go spread the gospel. The Bible told us, and, and uh, the Lord give it, left us with the Great Commission. He said, go out and spread the gospel, teaching and baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We need to go out and to spread the gospel and to tell folks about Jesus. And that's our job and that's our responsibility and that's our duty as the church. We need to be unified together.
come together 100% and say, I've had enough of these things going on in the world. This country was founded, the United States of America was founded upon God. And even on our money, it'll say, in God we trust. In God we put our trust. But how many of us can look out and can see amongst and see that really this country isn't a a country that trusts in God anymore? Now, I know that that some people and a lot of people feel that there should be a division in church and state. And there should be a separation there. But that doesn't stop the fact that this country and that this world is hungry for something. That this world that sin cannot fill. And it's our obligation and our duty. As not four walls, but more than four walls. As the body of Christ to go out and to spread the gospel to those people. I just want to share, and I, or, or I want to talk about this too a little bit more. And, and I want to help us realize it doesn't take a fancy building. It doesn't take a smoke show. It doesn't take a light show to be a church. What it takes is men, women, boys, and girls who are saved by the grace of God coming together in the spirit of unity and with the spirit of God upon them to do what God has called them to do. It's wonderful, and I'm not bashing the church. It's, it's wonderful to have a dedicated place to go and worship. Many people have blinded themselves to the fact of what the church really is because of that, though. It's not the four walls. If our church was to burn down, or the church where you go was to burn down and was to be destroyed, the church is not done away with because it's the people that's on the inside that make up the body of Christ. They could be a church five miles up the road, and that's part of the body of Christ. And a church 50 miles the other direction, that's the body of Christ. The body of Christ is scattered across this land and country and scattered across the world. And if we believe, and if we as believers would yoke up as a whole and as a body and be fitly joined together and let every joint supply one another and edify itself in love and let Christ be the head of the church there would truly be a difference made in the world. And we kind of want to start landing the plane right here and maybe start closing out today. But I want you, I, I want to leave you with something maybe to, to challenge you and to challenge us. I want us to try one day to step out of your dedicated four walls that you go to every Sunday. That doesn't mean on a Sunday morning you leave and go somewhere else. If God leaves you, leads you that way, then you do it. But in life, through your work week, work week, on the weekends, when you go out to town, some some point in time, go out and just begin to talk to folk. And you find somebody and you begin to talk about the Lord. Because it'll happen, it's happened to me. You just begin to talk, next thing you know, you both know Jesus and you both are a part of the body of Christ and you sit there and begin to talk and yoke up together and worship together. 
And then you get with those folks and you try your best to lead others to Christ. Because that is what the church is all about. The church wasn't designed just to have normality three days a week. The church wasn't designed just to have um, a habit or a a uh, um, a ritual every week. The church wasn't designed just so that you could say that you've done something good, but what the church was designed for was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you come together and and you sing a few songs and a preacher gets up and preaches and then you give way for an altar call and everyone goes praise. That's not what makes the church. But what that is and what that has become and what we blind ourselves to is unknowingly that's become the habit of what we do. And how many times when we leave the four walls are we not the church anymore? We leave the four walls that we go to every Sunday and we've decided, nope, I'm not going to be fitly joined together anymore with the body of Christ. And you go and you live your own way and you do your own thing and the world looks at you and they see you and either one, they can't tell a difference in you or two, they look at you and say, why would I ever want to be like them? And this is a challenge even to myself that I realize that the church is more than four walls, but what the church is is really a spiritual thing, a called-out assembly God has put together because He loves us, number one, and because we've become the family of God, but also for the fact of God has called us to a purpose. Some of you may be teachers, some of you may be preachers, singers, some of you may just be prayer warriors or lay members, whatever it is, but every one of us has a part, and every one of us should be willing to spread the gospel with somebody. And I want to leave you with this one more time. If you don't know the Lord, you can become a part of this church. If you've never been saved, I've got good news for you that you can truly become a part of this church and be saved before it's too late. That's it today for the Level Ground Podcast. Make sure to go on Facebook and like the Facebook page on Instagram, levelground.22. Um, If you've got any questions for us or anything, reach out to us, let us know, give us feedback, rate us on all of the apps, whatever you may listen to, and uh, send us an email. Reach out to us there at thelevelgroundpodpod22 at gmail.com. And if any of you need a Bible, reach out to us, and we'll be more than happy to send you a Bible. That's it today for the Level Ground Podcast. Until next time, stay grounded, my friends.